This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We have Mary Chen. Wait, can I say, can I say her bio, please? (laughs) So every time we have someone on the podcast, we ask them for their bio. And this is what Mary said over <laughs> her bio. They can just say, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Philly who went to grad school with them. <laughs> the reason this is so funny is because Mary is so accomplished and it's one of the coolest people we know. But yes. So Mary, humble. So humble. And why I've been fangirling uh, oh. Mary Chen for the past decade now. Oh my God. Oh my God. We started grad school in 2011 or yeah, in 11. Yes, 2012. Yeah. That's scary. Holy uh, shit. Oh, 12. Okay. Right. So, okay. Scary. So, Mary, welcome to the show. You guys, I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this and listening to your podcast. And I'm so excited for you guys. I'm proud of you guys. And- oh, oh, thank God. you. And Mary, yeah. we're just like, we just wanted to like see you and hang out too. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Same. Yeah, <laughs> we got robbed of Psychotherapy Networker. So like, oh. Oh, let's I had hang out here. Plans last year to get all of our continuing eds at once. And we did it in 2017. We, oh my God, we got this mm-hmm. great hotel room together. Mm-hmm. Oh. We're going to fucking party. That was so we're gonna fun. We're going to have a party. <laughs> a week of and got canceled. 
Yep. That was some bullshit. We were, we I mean, were like ready good. to go yeah. too. Yeah. Mary was like, I don't think this is a good idea. We were like, we really want to go though. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I had like a trip to California planned that month that I was like, but I'm going to go to that. Right. <laughs> and I did, I canceled it, but like, yeah. no idea what was coming. Yeah. We were just, oh God, just babes in the woods. So just, naive. Just a little yeah. bit. Okay. So and one of the best therapist we have ever met and also one oh, come of the best on. people but you know what I'm going to bring up of why of course and I'm psyched that you will <laughs> which is that if you're listening and you grew up in the 90s you most likely watched Degrassi <laughs> and Degrassi High was the epitome of my life Paige Michael Chuck is who I wanted to be it's who I related to and Mary fucking Chen worked for Degrassi <laughs> Degrassi, I, I worked for the N, which was like the network that Degrassi was on. And so um, like from from 2002 to 11. So like they they started in 2002. So I was like brought in at the beginning and like got to watch all those kids grow up. And I was I was working for like the website of the N. I was the Mary. I was like sort of a den mother on the website. And so we did like a podcast. We did. I did a blog. I did so much blogging and so many interviews. And so like yeah like over the course of like nine years like got to know those kids pretty well they're they were all like genuinely great kids like that show was actually well run by non-sociopaths who weren't like you know ruining those kids lives like right. it, was a great, <laughs> it was a great scenario and then yeah. you why would you ever decide to become a therapist after that you know what that's a really good question it was because I was doing like a um uh an advice column like a collaborative advice column like I would have kids write in to answer a question and I would kind of collab collate their responses and like add my own like Aunt the Mary's like perspective like from being older and that was like like one of my favorite parts of the job and another of my favorite parts was like one-on-one -on -one connections with kids like just through the like the messaging on the website and when like I mean that that job did roll for a really long time but when it started to suck I was like you know well I mean, it's a long story. My career is like a long fucking story. But basically, like, there came this point where I was like, I can either keep doing what I know how to do or learn something new. I had like one last shot at doing what I knew how to do, which like involved working for Planned Parenthood at the national office. And like, I was just like, yeah, no, I don't want to do what I already know how to do anymore. Like, I loved Planned Parenthood. They were a great organization, but like, it wasn't like, basically the reason my bio sucks is like, I just don't, I'm like, I don't want to do social media for a living anymore. Like I hate totally. it so much. <laughs> so I just wanted to be a therapist and have like real talk one-on-one -on -one with people yeah. all day long. And like, that's what I do. Yeah. Oh my God. And we got so lucky to have you in our grad school class. We had a great cohort. We oh had, my like, God. We really did. And Mary, remember we were in another interview together for yes. a different school? <laughs> totally. I'm and glad we both, we both ended up where we were. Yes. yes. It was fate. Totally. Totally. Oh my the God. funny part is you do not work with children now. Mm -mm. <laughs> nope. I totally thought I was going to be like a therapist for teens. And like, I have like one or two teens now. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. So who, who do you work with? Tell us a little bit about what you do so people can get a good idea. 
I work, I mean, like I do specialize a little bit in long-term single folk. Um, and like, cause at the beginning I sort of started like in my bio, I just said like chronically single folk. And a lot of people like really resonated with that phrase. And we're like, what do you mean by that? And I want to talk about that. Cause I think I am that. And, um, so I do a lot of that, but I also do, I do a ton of couples therapy, a lot of like queer and trans, um, individuals and couples and non-monogamous, uh, individuals and couples and our relationships. And, um, yeah, I just kind of, I focus on who finds me at this point. Like, yeah. you know, if they I like mean, me, I like them. <laughs> I, we were so happy that you offered to come on because not only do you have all these amazing skills, but you have such impressive lived experience yes. of long-term singleness. Yes, so very much so. That. Yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to come on was to sort of like let out that sort of like I my life has been what I think is a lot of single women's like boogeyman is like the person who like ages out of her fertility without meeting the person and um and I was single until I was like 45 mm -hmm. um I'm in a you know I'm in a relatively new relationship it's like a year long it's solid it's pretty good but like who knows um but like everything I had to learn to get there was important to me but so much of what I had to learn was to sort of get comfortable in the possibility that I would be single forever and find out like what would make that life good so that I could just live there. And then if I happened to partner, great. Um, and I, and I learned a lot through that process and I, you know, I have a lot to share about it. So. Well, and I'd like that you really talk about it, like as the boogeyman, right? Because like mm -hmm. it's so often people come in and they're like, oh my God, like what if I'm going to be single and boring? It's like, yeah. What if you yeah. Yeah, it's mean, a real thing. Right. And I think that right. part of it is like being able to look at that and say, okay, like you like you will get through that. You will work yeah. through that. And so yeah. to to bring you on and have you tell your story, I yeah. think it's so important and it's gonna help so many people. And like the, the story I can tell is about meeting somebody in middle age, but there's there's another story that's just sort of like that where I didn't meet that person or I never met that person. And um and that that's an okay path too. Yeah. One of the things that like a lot of my single clients talk about is sort of that there's, there's no like model for what it's going to look like for them. Like the only template they have is for like getting married, having a kid, like living life in that way. And so there's no sort of like, what do you do? Um, like, what are the financial considerations? What are the sort of like, what are the things you need? Like I said, to, to build a happy life and, and like, you know, <laughs> like research is my love language. So like I've, I've read like every book out there that I could find <laughs> on the topic and, um, and like would love to, to, to be able to talk about some of that stuff. And the other thing I want to talk about with you guys is circumstantial infertility. Like I heard you guys talk about, like, I know you're, you've been talking about infertility. You've been talking about childlessness and like, you know, childlessness by choice. And there's this other version of life where it's sort of like you, you kind of did want kids or you do want kids and, and you don't like, you don't want to do it alone or you've been trying to do it alone and it's not working. Um, you know, it can be hard to get pregnant on your own. And, uh, and, like how do you how do you move forward if that thing doesn't happen for you even though you wanted it mm -hmm. um which is it's you know it's about grief and I love that you guys talked about disenfranchised grief when you when you did your show on Emily's miscarriage so yeah that's so, so let's talk okay so let's start the conversation let's start the okay. conversation um I like what you talk about that like people only have one story right so we mm -hmm. have this word where we are fed a lie <laughs> myth of life that you're gonna find the one and like we've talked about this before we both had this very stupid thing growing up that was like i'm gonna be married 
by 30. Like, I don't know where that oh, number totally. came from. Yeah, I think it was yeah. like early, like by 25 or like something. 25 when I was a kid. Yeah, totally. Where the fuck we all got told that number, but this weird thing, which like, I don't get married when you're 25. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, numerically, that used to be the average, average. thing, you know? So it's sort of like, the, yeah, that's the other thing to understand is that things have changed and the, the numbers have changed, the statistics have changed, and the number of single people, like, I, you know, I, I wrote down all my information to be able to pull it up, but it's sort of like the most the most coupled ages are like in the thirties and forties. And that's like, there's still roughly a quarter of people are single. And when I say single, I mean like not, not in a relationship even, mm -hmm. not just not married. So it's like, there's, there are single people around you all the time. And you know, obviously at different ages, it's even higher than that. Um, Right. So it's sort of like, it's a quarter of people. I think I've read somewhere and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. That's sort of like 10% of people just kind of don't partner. And, um, and yet we don't have models for them. It's sort of like, we've got, we've had like a couple of sitcoms, but usually it's about sort of like finding the person. Nice. And, and, and the other thing is that, right, there, there are these different ways to be long-term single. One is sort of like where you are holding out hope and you're actively dating and you're trying to partner. And another where you are sort of like, I think, I think this is fine with me. Like, I think I don't want a partner. Um, and that like, both of those are valid life experiences. Right. Like you will have a narrative and it will be your life's journey. Like anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing, it's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair 
cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash strength chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash strength chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash strength chicks. Well, and so I'm wondering also if you can speak to, because I feel like sometimes people then ebb and flow between those two things. True. Where people, where people feel like they should know. I should mm-hmm. know if I want to be single forever, or I should know if I want to be mm-hmm. child free. But then like, I think there's a lot of people that feel really conflicted because like sometimes they're like, this would be a really nice thing to have a partner for, right? If I'm moving right. a couch, right. it'd be really fucking yeah. easy if there was someone else here. Yes. Like, there's certain things like that where you- That's about it. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just those things, I think. <laughs> those moments in that where you're like, you want to know why like this feels a little lonely. It would be nice to have yeah. someone to sit here, especially I'm sure during the pandemic. There yeah. That yep. were like, man, is this really what I want? So so can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, totally. Cause I I think and I think this is a shared experience with a lot of people. So it's sort of like I moved in and out of like wanting to date and 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 just sort of being like, maybe I don't want a relationship if it's if it's not working out for me. Um, like if I if I can't make it work, then maybe it's because I really don't want it. Um and I think other times I really did sort of settle into that identity and feel sort of like this is great. Like there, there are so many benefits to this. I love it. There, um, there are like stories out there about the single person that are just sort of like they're. It's just so sad and lonely. Like that's codified in the SCOTUS, like in the Supreme Court. Um, gay marriage decision he talks about sort of like you know oh all the boy like we don't want to like doom gay people to a life of loneliness just because they can't like legally marry and I was like I don't think I don't know how many single people you know but like they are not all as lonely as you right. think they are they have very full lives um Bella DiPaolo does a lot of um she like she's sort of like a polemicist on on singleness and she writes a lot about um the socioeconomic like discrimination and disadvantages that you experience mm-hmm. as a single person, the assumptions that people make about you. Um, and one of them is that like you're sad and lonely. And the truth is that single people are like some of the most active in their communities. They're the ones who can be like relied on to, um, to be able to kind of like, you know, help out at the drop of a hat. They're very involved politically. Single women have like changed politics like several times over the course of you know america and and also that single women it's like that's a new thing like we we didn't used to be allowed to be single and like financially independent and things like that um i don't know where i was going but just sort of it's so great (laughs) (laughs) we're along for the ride i think it's normal to like you move in and out of that and and and, you know and you meet somebody and you think maybe oh okay i did meet somebody and then it doesn't work out and you're like okay maybe no i maybe i really am single forever the the thing that i found the most useful um there's this book um by k trimberger ek trimberger and it's called the new single woman it came out in 2005 it's a deep cut it's like out of print like i you know you can buy it used and what she did is like 
I think 49 case studies of long-term single women to sort of figure out like what makes them tick and like what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And what she found was that like there were these, um, these six factors that make you know, a life good for a new single woman. And I, I'm going to list them for you now. Like one is a home that nurtures her. And so that can be that you live alone or not. For for myself, like I, I lined up like kind of a hybrid living situation where I bought a multi-unit house with, with good friends who live downstairs. And so it's like, because roofs and basements are like fucking expensive. Yes, <laughs> and yes. I don't on my own anymore. Um, and also like I could buy a nicer place if I could go in on them yeah. or go in on it with them. And um, and so it's like I live alone, but also like have companionship. And now and now my partner lived in. So that's a different story. But um, but like home situations can look all sorts of different ways and be satisfying. Um, the second is satisfying work that's not her whole life and that that provides like economic autonomy and psychological identity. Um, at some point, I want to talk about money and being single because that part fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> there's the third was sexual satisfaction, which may or may not include having partnered sex. Um, and the, the author like didn't find a ton of sexual frustration in her sample. Like it's I mean, this is women, right? And so it's like it's and not hard to catch a D if you want to. themselves, right? What yes, we know that is, is many true. Women, especially in heterosexual relationships, are not having satisfying sex. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of women have great sex with themselves, orgasms mm -hmm. with themselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I I was thinking this morning. I was like, I did. I had like an epic masturbation life. Like it was very well considered. Like yes. I really know myself in that way, and I had the time to explore, the privacy to explore, whenever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. It was great. So much, so much more time. Well, <laughs> totally. It brings up yes. It brings up this other thing, especially if we're sitting here talking about cis women, of mm -hmm. how we have been um, programmed and socially mm -hmm. constructed to serve others, right? So when you then have an experience of long-term singleton, what we're talking about is time for yourself. Time yeah. Sexually, or even your living situation, or even, yeah. Jen and I were bitching today about how our husbands are the worst when it comes to decorating houses. <laughs> <laughs> I want to decorate my house the, the exact way only I want to Because also when right. we decorate things together, it's like, perfect. we're on. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing. It's sort of like you find your people that that do the like, and this is the case in a marriage too. Like your marriage can't fulfill every side of you. And so you find somebody who's like your vacation buddy who vacations exactly the same way as you to split that fucking expensive hotel room with, or, you know, you vacation alone and it's fucking expensive and that's, that gets into the money part. <laughs> but well, right. This other part of like, you know, and I know we've talked about this before on the show of the fact that we have made romantic relationships as the end all be all. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like that's the goal. Well, and I think that that's, that's portrayed so much in the media. Like mm -hmm. I spent most of my high school watching Sex in the City. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like pretty much my entire, I would I just sit in my Degrassi. room and watch Sex in the City while Emily was watching Degrassi. <laughs> and the goal was constantly to like find a partner, right? Like right. it didn't matter what Mr. Big did. She was still going. She was still going yeah. for it. Yeah, that was right. That was like an, an attachment. Like totally. there's some sort of like anxious attachment there. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Daddy issues. Yes. Right. But you could, but, we could just assume. 
they even mentioned, like, I forget which episode it was, but I think it was Miranda was just kind of like, can we talk about something other yes. than this right now? And that's one episode, like yes. however many seasons of that fucking yes. show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in it, I know we're getting into sex in the city, but like I watched it so much, but like Samantha was an example of this, right? That like she, you know, she was kind of like the person who is, you know, not not settling down doing what felt right for her and mm-hmm. then it wasn't necessarily the goal and mm-hmm. so there was one example I think in there that was really positive but I think that for the most part what was portrayed was like being in a relationship is is the goal yeah well and also that like even Samantha it's sort of she's she's also kind of viewed as sort of like a narcissist and a slut right. and like there, so there are all these stories that get put onto single people. Um, when you were talking earlier about sort of, I'm sorry, I lost it. I've recently discovered that I have ADD and it's been life changing. But now I like notice it all the time. Wait, and it's we should actually do up. a full. You should do about like being neurodivergent yeah. and an adult woman totally diagnosed yeah. with ADD because. People, I don't know if people know, but Jen and I both take Adderall and it's changed our entire lives. I, yeah. We need it. I <laughs> really want to listen it. to your episode about that because I think it'll be life-changing for me. <laughs> um, there was something you were saying that brought up for me the, the, the stereotype that people have of single people as like really immature and um, that they're sort of, they're, they're childlike or that they're just like out there, like, you know, just having mimosas at brunch with their friends and like, you know, their lives are so easy because marriage is work and they don't, you know, they don't have like, that work to up. do. Like, yeah. Like we say this thing, like get over, grow up. Right. So oh good. my God. Right. And like the reality on the ground is that there's, um, another book by Sarah Eckle that I love that's called It's Not You. Um, but she talks about she talks about how realizing like she had to do and I had to do everything for myself. Nothing got done without me doing it. I had to figure out the mortgage. I had to figure out my taxes. I had to change the light bulb. I had to figure out how to move the couch or hire the people to like move the couch for me if I couldn't do it by myself or arrange the friends um, to be able to help me out and feel really guilty about leaning on them. It did help eventually to sort of like figure out that I had a community of, of like other like long-term single people who kind of got it. And so we could like be on call for each other for that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's nothing more miserable than going to Ikea alone. Like nothing. Or just going to Ikea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have like panic attacks in Ikea. I don't know about you guys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like a maze. Like, I I don't know what's going on. I get lost in there for hours. (laughs) So, okay. So, so it's sort of amazing. It goes into like, here's all the stuff I have to develop to. Right. I want to list the other three. Okay, yes. Important. So the the fourth one is connection to the next generation. And so that can mean your own kids or not. Um, and then intimacy, like emotional intimacy. And so that's friends and family and circles of care for when hard times hit, which I think is another thing that Samantha on Sex in the City went through, right? Like she had her, was it a cancer scare? Actually? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that is like, that's the big fear, right? When you're single is it's sort of like when the shit really hits the fan you know I'm supposed to have a husband to take care of that I, I realize I'm really talking about single women I, I do think this applies to single men they just have different challenges around it especially around sort of like forming communities of emotional intimacy right mm-hmm. like they they're not enculturated for that and mm-hmm. that's that sucks for them um but and and they have different stereotypes about them also being immature but also being like kind of creepy and pervy and like yes. pathetic and all this stuff um 
anyway, the sixth thing is community and that's like school, work, church, politics, like, you know, the places where you, where you find belonging. I also find that a lot of, um, long-term single people, they do, they have like really deeply robust friendships, um, that are, um, you know, like where you go through hard shit the same way that you would in a romantic relationship. You go through fights and you repair them. And you, I think so many um, people who like haven't been in any long-term relationships um, fear that they're not capable of it or that sort of like when they have their first one, if they have it too late, like they're going to be so far behind on, on like how to actually do relationship. That was definitely a fear of mine. And then like, it turns out you do know how to go through a hard thing with, with a person. You do know how to resolve conflict with people. Um, maybe you don't, but like you that's something to out. learn either yeah. way. And right. I know plenty of people who are married who don't know how to resolve conflict. Totally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know, Mary, you, you were speaking to like a lot of the stereotypes, right? Like the immaturity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about like, cause uh, you know, find that like, it's so easy to internalize that, right. To feel like, yeah oh, this must mean I'm immature or I can't do this in some way. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that, yeah, like a lot of my, uh, yeah, so much of the struggle is, is receiving those messages and internalizing them and feeling like, I guess I really don't know what I do. I'm doing. I guess I'm broken. And the the thing that's the toughest that I love that that Sarah Eckel book. It's it's just like this little blue, very soothing book. I love it so much. Um, and she just kind of talks about like all these mixed messages you get from people about sort of like you're too desperate, you're too picky, like you're somehow too desperate and too picky at the same time. You're you know you're too independent. You're um, like all these all these stories that people are saying out of like the goodness of believing that you are worthy of love and worthy of a relationship and so something must be wrong if you don't have one Mm -hmm. um but in the end they just kind of end up like sending you all these messages about like all the shit you need to fix in yourself before you can be in a real relationship and it's like uh like you look at them and you're sort of like you didn't fix that shit and you right (laughs) right and it's just so much so much blame on the person right like and it also speaks to like that the once again the end goal is Mm -hmm. that like oh you must want to be in a relationship and you're doing something wrong because i have it you know like if i you don't have it here it can't be that hard exactly exactly the other huge one is with your family of origin is that like marriage or partnering is seen as the it's like your life stage transition and so like if you don't do that it's sort of like they kind of continue to view you as a teenager and um you're you're just sort of second class like the um the example I can give in my own family was and this is the kind of thing where you said like I had internalized so many messages that it took me a long time to even like notice that stuff like this happened. Once I was able to name it, it was really helpful to, to be able to sort of separate myself from that and be like, I'm not going to let that in. But the example I have is like sitting at, you know, the dining room table, my cousin was visiting um, and she had just gotten like a lake house and she like, I have, I have an older sister, Beth, who has like two kids um, and she was just like, oh yeah, tell Beth that like she and the girls can come to the lake house anytime they want and you can come with her. Like, <laughs> cause clearly you can't drive yourself. <laughs> like, yeah. So nice. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you so much. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, but that's sort of right. That like lake houses are for families, like not for not for single folks and the people that they view as important in their life, the people that they have as chosen family. Like that's not, wow. you know, you can you can tag along. Yeah. How do you how did that feel for you at the time? So what sucks is like I didn't notice it in the moment, right? Yeah. I was just like, yeah, totally. Like I'll let Beth know. And then um I figured it out like a little afterwards and I was able to say it to my parents once and they heard me and that felt really good. They were like, oh my God, I didn't even notice that. I was like, yeah, me neither. And like, FYI, that's been my whole life. Like my whole adult life is like little things like that. Just about me being sort of not there yet, like not a real person yet. And I, that was a, that was a, oh my God. Yeah. That was like a huge thing for me, especially in my early thirties was sort of like, I'm tired of waiting for my life to begin. Like, you know, if I have to partner in order for my life to begin, then I better fucking partner. And then you go really whole hog on that. And then that doesn't work out. And then you're like, I guess my life just isn't beginning, but you, you have to kind of make a conscious choice for yourself. That's sort of like, I'm just going to get comfortable where, where I am. And if things change, I will get comfortable where the new place is. But like, well, you, you know, this is a really important, which is used to this thing of like, I'm like, I'm not a real person yet. Yeah. Um, how devaluing that is to our, yeah. Of totally. like, I will then become a person. I'll then become yeah. valid. I'll become whole in some way. You know, people love to say whole. that. Like yes. you make me whole. You make me whole. You complete me. Yes. And also, and like, um, oh my God, you guys, my fucking thoughts do not cooperate. It's, and I'm like nervous now. So we have the same, listen, we have the same issue. I told Emily, I, I woke up at four o'clock this morning and I was like, I am not going to be functioning today. Yeah. You got to just talk and take over. So listen, that's why we're here that we, then we'll just ramble. Yeah. I had that day on Tuesday. So hardcore. I was like, I don't think I work today. Like I'm broken. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, there was something about sort of like, yeah, like I'm not real yet. Not whole. Not whole. You complete me. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. If it comes back to me, I'll try I'll try and remember. Just interrupt it. us yeah. if it comes back. thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. 
Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blueland, and it has been a game changer. Blueland has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. Because we can think about that in terms of other stuff too, right? Once I lose the weight, once I have the yes, once I get the degree, right? It's not like this bullshit fucking ducks in a row magical thinking. Yeah, I am then a person once this happens. And so, what happens if there's no person? Yeah, because that's a real fucking thing. Yeah, sit here and say, oh, it's the boogeyman, but also some people won't find a partner. And. And what happens when you do, when you do lose the weight, when you do find a partner and you still don't feel like a person? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, and when you do, um, you know, achieve the goal and you realize you're actually kind of grieving like your old self and you're like, but I was so miserable back there. Like, so I remember um, a client who when you know was just so invested in like finding a partner and like so miserable about living alone in her like dinky little apartment and then when she did partner and it was time to move out she was like my my little apartment like and when i when i bought this place like it was i was calling it my spinster nest like i was really nesting into that identity and i was just like this is my spinster nest i'm gonna make it exactly how i want it and um and like when my partner moved in, like we both had to talk about sort of like we're just we're gonna have to grieve like that living alone time. Like it was great. It's fucking awesome to live alone. It's just expensive. The only thing that sucks the most about being single. Well, let's talk about okay, money then, because it. I would love okay. to hear you talk a little bit about money and being single. Because last week's episode was about money. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to listen yeah. yet, but so this yeah. is actually great. So tell us a little bit of your thoughts on that. It's just that it's um like, and this is another one where it's sort of like you're seen as like not a real person. And it's sort of like you don't have as much money to throw around because you're doing every goddamn thing for yourself. So like, even if I if I think about it too long, I just get upset when I think about housing costs, right? And that like, I didn't want to like punish myself in some like tiny shitty apartment. I was like, I'm a successful person. Like I want to live in a nice place. But me living in a like okay place and paying for a hundred percent of it versus somebody else who's like in a series of relationships that go nowhere but where they're living with each other like they get to pay half rent like and housing costs are 20 to 30 percent of your you know of your income i'm gonna pull up another we're ready we're ready for it we love the statistics um wait let me find it it's about like the the accumulated wealth of like single people and how 
different it is. And it's from Bella DePaulo. Oh my God. It's okay. Just talk. If you talk really slow, then it'll, <laughs> it'll, oh, there's, um, that it, like somebody figured out that it costs like basically a million more dollars over a lifetime insurance costs your all of your insurance is more expensive just because you're not married and I remember this from when like our homeowners insurance when my downstairs neighbors did get married our insurance company was like make sure you call us when they get married because we'll be able to give you a big discount and I was like cool like they're the exact same people they were yesterday we're as likely to like burn down as we were yesterday um maybe even more likely (laughs) yeah shit I thought I wrote it in my little notes and I didn't but it was basically like it's obscene and the 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 thing that I mostly wanted to point out is that like the socioeconomic um differences and discrimination are like as you can imagine, so much more pronounced for people of color, right? That it's like the accumulated wealth for single women was something like, you know, for single white women, it was like $41,000. And for single black women, it was like $600. And for single black men, it was like 7,000 or something, right? So that gives you like a, you know, and then they didn't even like, Asians weren't even in the sample. So I have like no idea. (laughs) Not even included. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, so it's just like over the course of a lifetime, it just it costs you a lot more, and there and you are discriminated against at work, at um, in housing. Um, it's it's legal for landlords to decide that they'd rather rent to like a couple than to like two roommates or even a single person. Um, that's you know that's not considered discrimination. It's just like it's just allowed. Wow. So yeah, you just you end up and and just all of the like all of the little like. My my partner makes like half of what I make and I still feel so much richer <laughs> having him live here and split some of the costs with me. Like it's it's remarkable mm-hmm. how different it is. And in a way that I don't want to feel like I'm rubbing it in the face of somebody who is still single, but I, I want to say it to like validate. Like yeah. it is harder. The thing I wanted to hear the most from someone while I was going through it was like, I can see how hard it is just to do regular shit. Like just to, just to live at baseline for you. I see that it is a challenge, not something that makes your life easier. Yes. Because that was the message I was getting was it sort of like, well, you know, your life is simple. And it's like, no. That's such a great point, right? Like of this unrealistic idea. And I think there's also part of it because a lot of times there's a fantasy of married people or especially of parents. Mm-hmm. Of God, what would it be like to like <laughs> just be, be my by own? myself? So we then create mm-hmm. and fantasize mm-hmm. rose colored glasses, this existence that we don't have. Right. So fucking minimizing for people that it, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think people pity single people for all the wrong reasons like just assume that they that they're just like lonely and like don't you know don't have anyone to rely on don't have anyone to talk to it's like single people have like plenty of intimacy in their lives if they don't have fucking money right right, right. <laughs> that's really the challenge we can sit here and act like it doesn't right we're not right. the most important thing but it makes a huge difference in your life yeah. if you have five yeah people. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. not, that's it. And it's also, it's even like the little privileges of like something, I mean, 
I think some people prefer it this way where it's sort of like nothing in the house changes unless I change it. But I remember when I finally like allowed myself to hire a house cleaner because I hate cleaning and it was like a gift that I gave myself. I was sort of like, there's, there's this line in another book, Rebecca Traster's All the Single Ladies, um, about sort of like letting the city be your spouse. And, and so I was just like, yeah, I'm going to like pay someone to clean because I don't want to clean and I'm going to do it ethically and fairly. And, um, there was one day where she, she cleaned out my tea strainer and I didn't know. And I went the next morning to make my tea and my tea strainer was clean. Bitches. I cried. I cried actual tears. I was like, and it's like, I, you know, she'd been cleaning, she'd been cleaning things that, you know, clean my floors and things like that. But there was something about like this unexpected act of kindness in my own home that blew my fucking mind. And I was like, oh, that's, that's not awesome. Like, that, you know, oh. that that's enough to, you know, to oh. thrill me. Um, that that's some of the stuff that's missing. And, and a lot of single people create households to, um, you know, like with, with dear friends that, that mitigate for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, like that, the new single woman is good for sort of like showing like here's 49 lives and how they did it that, um, that are working fine for them. Well, I like that because, you know, we talk about this idea of the boogeyman, which I just love that you're using that term mm-hmm. because it's true. We think about like, this is the scariest thing that could happen. And yeah. you're alone. How many times have I heard people fucking say yeah. this? Yeah. And it's like, but like, is that? And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many, also, like, is that really right. the scariest thing? Right. right. Let's right. talk about like actual people and how the fuck they do this because yeah. their lives don't seem so goddamn scary. Well, right. I- And I think talking about this too is really important for people who maybe are not in the best relationships and Mm -hmm. are afraid of being single, right? Like they're afraid of, okay, well, if I get out of this relationship, what will my (laughs) life look like? That there's that boogeyman almost keeps people in relationships or in situations. Exactly. Oh my God. That was my favorite thing. Bella DePaulo did this research where she found that basically like if you're going to go for, you know, basically happiness set point, same as what weight set point, right? It's just sort of like you'll have like little bumps in your happiness and otherwise you're basically like you're going to be fine. Um, that the, the sort of like hierarchy of like life satisfaction at the top are people who are happily coupled. Second are single people. Third are people in neutral relationships and fourth are people in bad relationships. So it is like literally better to be single than to just like partner up and sort of be like, this is fine. Like you're, you know, like if your relationship is nourishing. Yeah, Yeah, totally. It matters so much that we've been scared so much. I think from the patriarchy in a lot of ways that it is so much better to be in a relationship yeah. or a marriage than be single. Yeah. And maybe in the past that was it, but is that true for you now? And I think the hard part is it's also like we can't tell people that, right? Like it's up to you to determine what's yeah. right for you. Right. And how unhappy you really are yeah. in that relationship. And is it possible yeah. to improve it? And but yeah. what but like what would it be like to imagine your life single? Not how to avoid this, but how would I live in it? How would I thrive in it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like to discharge the fear, right? So that, right. So that you're not staying in a relationship out of fear, which gives you the ability and the permission to demand that your relationship actually nourish you, right. To like, to stand up for your needs, to assert your needs. Um, so that, you know, it's not just like, and I think, you know, some of my, like I had all of this, um, imposter syndrome becoming a couple's therapist who was like, single. And one of the things I eventually realized that like one of my strengths was not fearing 
single life for, for my clients, right? Like it wasn't sort of like, oh my God, yeah, I have to figure out how to keep them together because otherwise they're, they'll be miserable and sad. It's right. just sort of like, they'll, they'll have another path. And if this relationship isn't higher than neutral, then like maybe they'd literally be better off mm-hmm. single. Mm-hmm. We always say, no, it's, you know, we, we always say that to couples too, that like, it's not our job to keep you together, no. yeah. it's our job to help you figure out what works for you guys. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that, that's a, a huge miscon- misconception about couples therapy is that, okay, yeah. we're going to help you stay together when that's mm-hmm. not always the case. I mean, I would say for a portion of the time, we're helping people learn how to consciously uncouple okay, I, sometimes. Yeah. I want to make sure we get to the circumstantial um, oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's really important. I was hoping you would go into that a little more. Yeah. So that, that term comes from Melanie Notkin. She wrote a book called Otherhood. Um, and she, she has this whole business around being like an aunt and like being like the best aunt in the entire world. But, um, she, yeah, she's the one who phrased it. And when I heard it, I was just like, oh my God, yes, that like, it's not that I didn't want kids. I, I would say I wasn't, um, like I never went I never was baby crazy, right? But I had always imagined that I would have kids when it was clear that I was like, you know, starting to like get close to aging out of my fertility. I was like, okay, like I, I was able to um, to maybe settle into that easier than somebody who actually was like baby crazy or had always imagined themselves as a mother in like a really intense way. So it wasn't, it might not have been as hard for me as it is for some people, but I think those are the people also who are going to seek out, like, how do I have a baby on my own? Um, which, by the way, is so much harder than people think it's going to be. And not not just the parenting part, but actually, like, getting pregnant and or, like, people are sort of like, well, if I haven't had one by 40, I'll adopt. And it's like, it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. um, but... Uh, what you know especially toward the end of my fertility right like toward my late 30s and early 40s when it was really sort of like it is I meet somebody this weekend and he wants to have kids and he's ready to go right now or it's not happening um I really did have to grieve that possibility and it's it's a very real grief it was like um just, yeah, there, there was, there's this term in, um, in I think, like, China called bare branches, and that's the idea of sort of, like, the, the child who, like, doesn't have a child, and, like, that terminology, like, really resonated with me as this sort of, like, sad, like, what is, you know, it's existential, right? What is the meaning of my life if I don't reproduce, if I'm not good enough to reproduce, mm-hmm. Um so, so much identity shits uh, for women, especially so much um, identity is sort of like, what are women, you know, everybody talks about like motherhood as being like the pinnacle of what you can be as a woman. So like, what if I don't do that? Um, and, and I know you guys talked about this um, in terms of childlessness, like the, the, the pathways that sort of like you have to go on where friends of yours are having kids and you're not definitely stopped going to baby showers after a while, like yeah. was not fucking yeah, putting myself through that not doing that anymore um and uh like I also and I think like as it was sputtering out like I did go through I there was a two-month period where I was like I think I want to do it alone like I think I'm gonna go for it and like and then I I lost that but another really good book it's called I think Selfish Shallow and Self-Absorbed and it's like a series of essays on childlessness from all different perspectives people who wanted them and didn't have them people who felt 
ambivalent and, and people who never wanted them. And there was a really reassuring essay in there from somebody who had been on all sides of that and really at some point was really desperately sad that she, she didn't have the children that she for a time wanted. And like now she's looking back on that and she's kind of like, yeah, I felt that way. Like I don't feel that way. So that was reassuring to hear. And I, I can say the same is true for me, right? It's not that I... It's not that I'm sort of like tough free by choice and like, you know, oh, I never wanted kids. It's it's like I wanted them. That didn't happen for me. My fucking dental hygienist could not take that for an answer and just like ask question after question after question. <laughs> oh my God. But, but you could still, but you can adopt and like, oh, this is just like, just, just well, let it be, just let me be childless. Oh my God. Other thing I think is still, and, and oh wait, here's like a good example. So one of Jen, at Jen's wedding, I mm-hmm. sat next to one of Jen's other best friends and mm-hmm. I, we were just talking and I had said, oh, are you dating anyone? Because I had met this previous um, partner of hers. And she's like, no. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. And she like looked at me and was like, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. She was like, everyone, when I say that I'm not dating, like tries to hook me up with someone. Yep. Or, oh, it'll happen eventually. So yeah. she was like, I, she was like, I've never had anyone just say to me like, cool. Cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, a, well, it's, and it's the same. People get so uncomfortable. They including do. Including our dental hygienist. Yes. Yeah, totally. Right. They, like people, people don't know what to say. They, I think yeah. I, they like That's automatically right. assume that you're upset about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they assume that it's, you know, and, and but also even if it is something you're upset about like that's some that's personal right like right right you get to grieve that you get to work through that in your way but like it's people really like insert themselves in those moments they really do and I think you're right it's out of discomfort there's just there's no like they don't have like a a phrase that they can just like drop in there that's just sort of like cool like they don't they don't know how to do that and and there is also um just such a story about like you're not fulfilling, like, there's no existential path for what it looks like to not follow the template that we have. You know, another thing that was helpful to me in, like, doing all the research that I did was realize, sort of, like, there are cultures where that's, that's not the template. Like, it's not, like, some biological imperative that things have to look exactly like they look for us in in our like pop culture and that doesn't mean that like you're broken it's it's just your circumstances and like what are you gonna make of them I really like what you said about you know like you can look back and say like that was a period of time where like yeah that was really sad and I was grieving mm-hmm. yeah and now I don't feel that anymore you know because I think yeah. that people they think feel that forever. yeah they think they're yeah. gonna live in that grief and that regret and that yeah. struggle for the rest of time totally Totally. It like, and I think maybe if I had wanted kids more, it would have been a longer grieving process. Like I have a friend who's single, who's um, trying to get pregnant alone and and it's not working out so far. And that's going to be a longer grief process for Mm -hmm. her. Right. Like, um, it was simpler for me, but also the, the pain was real. And, um, and then, you know, and then I met somebody who has grown kids and I'm sort of like, maybe I'll have grandkids. Like, that'd be fun. Like, that'd be a way to connect, to, you know, connect to the next generation. I have my nieces that I adore, um, my godchild. Like, it, you know, connection to the next generation is important, is listed in that Tremberger book, but also is not the whole, like, it doesn't have to look a particular way. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be a direct connection from, like, mm-hmm. your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like yeah. when Jen looks at Millie and kind of thinks about her for one second. I'm just hoping Millie will take care of me. Well, and I think that that's, <laughs> yeah. 
that's right. I think that's a big piece too. And I think yeah. maybe that's something we should touch on because I think that that's yeah. a big fear is like when I'm older, you know, similarly to not having a partner, like when the shit hits mm-hmm. the fan, like when you get older, there's this kind of assumption that like, okay, I'm going to get older and my children are going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. touching on that too, I think is important. My, my dad is, I can tell having a really hard time with that because like, he's, you know, he's 91 now and, and like my sister and I like are, are so involved in his care. He keeps saying anytime the two of us are alone, sort of like, I don't know how I would do this without you guys. Like, and, and, you know, them sort of realizing like, I'm, I'm 46 now, like that's really not going to happen. Um, I think he's really scared for me. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like either. I know I have to save more money. Um, I know I'll probably like invest in long-term care insurance in a way that like not everybody, well, maybe everybody should. The other thing though, (laughs) I have, um, another friend who's long-term single my age who, um, she's, she's like a patient's rights lobbyist, right? So she, she works anyway, she was kind of, we were talking about this one day and she was sort of like the current system, like the boomers are going to break the current elder care system. It can't sustain. It's, it's totally reliant on the unpaid labor of adult daughters. Like that's not going to work out long-term. So she was basically like, Gen X is going to figure something else out and we'll do that. And it's probably going to be some, like there's, there's stuff in Denmark where it's just sort of these like multi-generational like co-housing facilities. And like, it's just, again, like a community of reciprocal care and maybe that's what it'll look like. Maybe, um, you know, and, and yeah, and I need to save money is the. Absolutely. And so it's like, you're, you're processing it in a different Mm -hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing, but I like what you just talked about is like, should, even if you have children, should, should, should you put that on them, right? Yeah, totally. right? I have totally. my daughter. Should I really be putting that on her? Right. Or should I be thinking, right? Like, can I put right. it on her? I think you need to have a consensual relationship, uh, you know. Right, right. I'm going to ask her to say, Millie. I'm going right. to bring you toys and shut up. <laughs> yes. if you accept this toy, you are promising to take, take care, care of me for the rest of time. Good. Shake on it. Okay, good. You're good. At Finding two years old. She's like, yep, I don't totally. think the Elsa doll is worth it. Right. right. Fair. <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting thing to talk about. Mary, I don't want to end this episode, but I think I have to, but I could talk to you forever. Forever. Let's, so you know. I'll only end if you promise to come back. Oh, of course I'll fucking come. Okay, and also I really think this is going to be so helpful yeah. for so many people. So, yeah. Let's do it. Let's end it with if you could talk to someone who maybe right now is single in their 40s and not necessarily by choice. So mm-hmm. stage of fear and frustration mm-hmm. and scarcity, what would you say to them? Um, I would say it is, it is not a sign that you're broken and that it's impossible. It's not a sign that you don't deserve it. Oh my God. Oh God. I didn't get to tell you the professional cuddler story. We're like, (laughs) wait, 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 we got to rewind. It's all right. We'll make it it longer. Just do it. (laughs) I toward the end, like I, I, I did have attachment shit to work through. Like that, that was a factor in why I was single for so long. And 
one of the places I landed on that was like hiring a professional cuddler to come basically just like lie down on top of me while I cried my eyes out. And one of the things that came like out of me was just sort of like, just because I don't have it doesn't mean I don't deserve it. And like, that's the message I would want to give to that 40 year old woman sort of like not having it is not about not deserving it. It can be circumstantial. Maybe there's something to look into into therapy, but even that doesn't mean you're broken. It means you're adjusted to a different context or to a different circumstance. You have protectors that are there to protect you from a circumstance that might not be present anymore. And so, um, also, like, it's possible, right, that you will meet someone in your 40s. Meeting someone in your 40s is the fucking bomb. Middle-aged romance is fucking fantastic. You're so clear on what you want. You're so, like, men at that age are just, like, so much better at communicating. Like, they know what they want to. All, like, nobody's fucking playing games anymore. Kamala met Doug at 46, yeah, right? Amazing. Like, <laughs> So yeah, I would say like, if you want partnership, partnership can happen. And if you don't want partnership, there are so many, there are other ways to build your life that are going to be fine. And build your ways in life that are going to be, or build your life in ways that are going to be fine anyway. And if the partner comes along great, like the right partner will fit into that, that schema. Like I, I built myself a life that was fine and my partner does fit into it. So. Oh, All right, fuck Mary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Mary Chen, I'm sure there's no way you're taking new clients. Is that correct? No, I'm not taking new clients. And I was like, why? Like, what should I? What should I market on the fucking podcast? (laughs) Basically, you can't take anyone if you try. That's why my bio sucks. Like, but I do like. I have a book in me, I think. And so like, I would love to hear from long-term single women about sort of like what they want to hear or um, people who like feel like they just like, there's that Monica and Jess podcast that was like one of the Dax Shepard offshoots, right? Like people who listen to that and are like, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear from them and hear like what they would want out of, um, out of a book and maybe I can figure out how to write it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So well, it. here's what we're gonna do. Instead, you can't reach out to Mary. She's too damn busy. She's but too busy. She's too, people. People love her too much. Yes. We're gonna link <laughs> all the amazing books that she talked yes. about today. Yeah. I actually. I re- I did redo my website so that I could have a blog on my website. So that and I put a blog up about like the four my four favorite books. Mary and Oh yeah, marychen.com and opened up like comments on that. And so like would love to hear okay. from people about okay. what they're doing. Marychen.com. Yeah. It's gonna be all that information. We're gonna link a book list as well. Mm-hmm. Mary, we love you. We love you and love you guys so much. Fucking much. I can't <laughs> wait to hang out in person. I can't wait to go to a conference and have a slumber party. Oh my day. god. I, I never thought I would be so excited for the psychotherapy <laughs> network. <laughs> <laughs> not wait it's gonna be goddamn delicious hopefully even by next year we'll be yeah hopefully 2022 thank you for listening to this episode if you if it related to you or anyone you think that uh might like it as well send it over you can always rate review and subscribe and we'll talk to you next week on truth chicks Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. 
Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.